Um, today we're going to talk about what I think is one of the most difficult parts of community. And when I say this word, it comes with a lot of different feelings and understandings. Uh, but today we're going to talk about being a commitment-centered community. And commitment means a lot of things and brings up a lot of different emotions for people. And so we're going to talk about that, especially in a society in 2020, where I think we're about as non-committal as I could ever imagine. Uh, so that's why we have careers, and then we have side hustles, right? So I go to college, I, I get a degree, I do the whole thing that I'm supposed to do, and I'm working in the 9 to 5 corporate world, but I have a side hustle still. Uh, it's because it, it's at the, really at the center of it, it has to do with commitment. It has to do with us not feeling like uh, maybe the organization or the corporation that we're working for is really focused and committed to me and long-term for my life. And so I need to have a side hustle to be able to make sure that I'm going to do okay. And so that's a good example of where we're at because of just living in a society where commitment is at a shortage. And so I'm going to read this passage, Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. I'm going to start there. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now they, who are they? Do we remember who they are? 3,120. God, way to go. Where do I get that number from? Because just before this, in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, Jesus had instructed 120 to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He said, I'm going to send you one that's going to be your counselor, it's going to be your helper, that's going to be your encourager. And you, I want you to wait in this upper room. There's 120 of them waiting. Holy Spirit shows up, all of heaven breaks out. And it leads to, just before this in verse 41, it leads to 3,000 people meet Jesus. They come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which, which is the goal. The goal is, behind everything that you see, the goal is that people meet Jesus, that lives are transformed. That is what we do and why we do it, period. 3,000 got saved. There was 120. Do the math. 3,000 plus 120 is 3,120. So when we read this, I'm going to read it with this. 3,120 devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone. How many people were everyone? 3,120 people. Okay, 3,120 people were filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. How many was all of the believers? 3,000. Very good. Okay, you guys are catching on. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. How many of them continued to meet? <laughs> oh, you mean like a third of them showed up to church, but the rest of them just stayed home? No. How many of them showed up? All of them showed up. Come on. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with God and sister hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay. The operable word, the, the word that this entire concept, this entire passage hinges on is the word devoted. That all 3,120 people were devoted. And because of their devotion, and what were they devoted to? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the leaders. They were devoted to each other. And they were devoted to Jesus. And because of their devotion, the word devote, 
means uh, to, to, to continue steadfastly or to commit, to be committed. Because of their commitment to one another, to the teaching of leaders, and to Jesus, we see this miraculous breakout of the early church. And oftentimes, I've been asked, what do we need to do in order to see Acts 2.42-47 to happen in the church in 2020? And we get into a lot of interesting debates. Now, I, I'm saying this because some of you may, may have thought of this. Some of you may not have thought of this. Some of you might have been engaged in this conversation. Some of you may have argued this. Oftentimes, what happens is, is I think we focus on a lot of the peripheral things. Meaning, well, in order for us to get back to people being saved daily in our midst and seeing miraculous things happen, in order for us to get back to a place where community, where people are willing to give sacrificially give of themselves for the, for the need of the next person, or for us to do that, we need, we need to start meeting in, in homes, because it says they ate in homes. We need, we, need to start, we need to start doing it daily. We need to start, and we, what we're doing is we're trying to find a prescription. We're trying to come up with a formula. Catch this. We're trying to develop a formula for church so that we can get the result that we see, that we know, that something in us, we know that this is true community, but, but we're trying to formulate it. And we're missing the point. I, I would say, I would present to you that it's less about how big the building is you meet in, how small the building is. It, it has less to do with the type of music. We're very worship-centric. We're music-centric. We love spending time expressing who God is to us and who we are in relationship to Him through music. We love that. It is something that we go after. It's part of who we are. It has less to do with all that. It has more to do with this one word. The reason why the early church was so powerful, why the byproduct of the 3,120 people being together was they saw signs and wonders, people being healed, transformed lives, why they were able to, is because they were willing to do one thing. They were committed. Too many times we want the fruit, we want the, we want the result of commitment without being committed. There was a, there, I mean, there, there's someone who wrote a famous song. If you love it, you better put a, What is she saying? If you want the fruit of this relationship with me, you better commit. Okay? And we live in a non-committal world. Okay? So we, we, we want to sleep with the idea. We just don't want to marry the idea. So we like the idea of living in community that looks like this. But we're not willing to stand at the altar and say, I will forsake all others for this. So they were devoted. They were committed. Commitment keeps you activated toward what you were dedicated to. Okay? The definition of committed is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity dedicated to a cause or activity. So commitment keeps you activated. 
toward what you're dedicated to. Now, the first thing that I hear in my own life, when, when you say to me, Pat, XYZ, will you commit to this? The first thing that I think, and you may be like me, the first thing, I, I just maybe, it's me, I think what's in it for me. That's usually our first thought. Well, what's in it? What's the return on this investment then? You want me to give, okay, if you're asking for $5, that's what commitment looks like, what's, what do I get in return? Oftentimes, it's like we, we, we continue our worship every Sunday when we meet together in our church through tithes and offerings. And too often, we approach our tithes and our offerings as like an investment process with God. Like, okay, I'm going to give you five bucks, God, but what do I get in return? And it's like he's going, commit, be committed. Commitment says like it's, 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 it's showing your dedication. But we usually ask this question, what's in it for me? We want that first. We want that answer first. So I'm going to give us five quick, crucial keys to commitment. Five crucial keys to commitment. These are things that I find when I look at my own life, when I look through scripture, and I look at commitment, especially when it comes to community. A community could be here at church. It could be uh, in friendships. It could be a relationship with a loved one. Community can be defined a lot of ways, but... I'm talking about biblical community as we see it, as we've been preaching through the last four weeks. So that's where it's good if you have some context, okay? I'm going to talk about the five crucial keys to commitment. Crucial key number one. If we don't have this one, forget about it. I don't have a job. I don't know why we're doing what we're doing. Crucial key number one is Jesus. He is why I stand and I do what I do. He is why I get up in the morning He's what fuels me to be able to love my family. It is the reason why we exist. The mission of our church is very simple. We don't need to mystify it. We don't need to paint it in pretty terms. Our mission is clearly to reach people with Jesus. We want people to have an encounter with Jesus. Period. That is what Jesus gave us instruction to do. Go out and be my witnesses. Reach people. You are going to be the instrument of my affection. They're the object. Go reach people. In 1 Kings 8, 61, it says, And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God, to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. That I'm committed fully to the Lord my God. I'm not committed fully to my wife and to my kids and to this organization and to church and to you know my job. I'm committed to those things underneath my commitment first to who? Jesus. And here's what I know. I am committed to my wife and my family and what all the things that I do. I'm committed to all those things, but my commitment to them is fueled through my commitment to Jesus first. In fact, you will like me better as a person in my commitment with you if I'm committed to Jesus first. If I'm not committed to Jesus first, I'm going to be a selfish person. Right? Because it's about me. And I'm going to ask the question constantly, what's in this for me? And so we have to have Jesus first. So here's the concept. The concept is, is that we're surrounded by other people, but we have Jesus at the center. I can't live a life, and you shouldn't either, my opinion, where you put another human at the center of your world. 
When I put someone, if, if, if my, I'll just use my wife and I, if we put each other at the center of our world, we are going to be devastated on a daily basis, her more than me. She's going to be devastated if I'm the center of her world. Why? Because I am going to destroy, because I'm not perfect. Catch what I'm saying. I'm not being self-deprecating. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not shedding dark light on myself to make myself actually look better. Or to, I'm, I'm really telling you, if we place someone else that's human at the center of our world, we are going to be crushed. Be careful about who you... Okay. Don't elect a savior. Who you vote for is not the center of your world and not your savior. Period. We need to have Jesus at the center. Now, people surround us, but who's at the center? Jesus is at the center. I love Paul in Colossians says, He is the one we proclaim. He, Jesus, is the one that we. Who is we? Community. He, Jesus, is the one at the center of what we proclaim. He says, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That is biblical. That is a biblical definition, in my opinion, of community. What are we here for? We are here to proclaim Jesus at the center of our community and help every single person that we come in contact with grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. And he says, to this end, to community's end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So it's Christ working in me. When Jesus is center in my life, it's him that's working in me. And, I, and it's going to take work, just so you know. It takes work to be, be in a committed relationship with a group of people or with one person. For some of us, we realize it takes commitment to be in a, in a, in a committed relationship with ourselves. We change our mind on ourselves, moment to moment sometimes. We let ourselves down a tremendous amount. So we, we have to understand, like we let ourselves down, other people may let us down, Jesus needs to be at the center. Okay. Crucial key number two, trust. Psalm 37.5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. Anytime, if you're ever reading through the Bible and you come to a point of any passage that says, and he will do this, or this will happen, or therefore, there is a promise that you're about to read. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. What will he do? He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So my commitments are rooted in my trust that I have in Jesus. And here's what this passage says. This passage is telling me, if I commit my ways to the Lord and I trust in him, he will do this. He's going to handle my business. He will handle my business. I need to stay committed. My job is to stay committed to Jesus. Jesus is always committed. He is faithful. He never changes. He is consistent in that. But my job is to remain committed to Jesus and keeping him at the center and trusting in him. He will handle my business. What happens is, is we, get, we get involved in community sometimes. And as we get involved in community, we will, we will rule how we're going to be involved in that community by how much we've been let down by individuals before. So we will judge the community based on individual actions. We will hold people account, be accountable to something that a person has done. 
And just because a person in your life has been non-committal to me doesn't mean the rest of the world is going to be that way. Now, I will tell you that we, we, like, we are faulted people. Are people going to let you down? Yeah. Am I going to let you down? Yeah, I am. You're going to let me down. We're going to let each other down. But we trust in Jesus. Okay, I, I, love, I love this in Proverbs. Commit, the, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. So here's what, here, here's what this means. This means that I come in as a leader of the church and I say, okay, what I understand first and foremost is that I may be pastoring a church, but Jesus is actually the leader of this church. Why? Because Jesus is at the center of my life. He's the center of this community. So G, now I say, this is where we're going. We're going to go reach people for Jesus. That's biblical. If anyone has an argument with that, I'm thinking like, what in the world are we reading? To, like, are we reading the same Bible? This is what we're doing. But we're going to commit to the Lord whatever we do, and he will establish our plans. What this means for us is, is that as people let us down, we can trust that Jesus' commitment to us will never let us down. Even though you may break your commitment to me, or I may break my commitment to you, Jesus will never break his commitment to you. That's what this means. He's going to handle your business. He's going to, he's going to do what's in your best interests. And we will always commit to what we trust will deliver on its promise. We will always commit to what we trust will deliver on its promise. I would simply say this. If I walked up to you as a stranger on the corner and I, said, and I stopped you and said, excuse me, sir or ma'am, um, if today, in the next 30 seconds, if you can make this decision, <coughs> excuse me, you need to make this decision. You only have 30 seconds to make it. If you can get me $1,000, I will meet you one week from now on the same street corner. I know that you don't know me, but trust me in this. I promise you, I'll come back next week and I'll give you $2,000. I will double your money. How many of you right now, you have 30 seconds to decide, how many of you on that street corner would hand over $1,000 to me? You guys are crazy. You're those kids in the class that are like, I'm going to say it because no one else will. Listen, no, no, very few people, very few, why? Why would a vast majority of the people look at me and go like, you're crazy? Because you've been burned? Why else? Yeah, trust. You've been burned, so therefore you don't trust. So when someone approaches, this is why when people knock on your door at home, especially in California, your automatic assumption is, go get a weapon and answer the door. Like, growing up in Oceanside, I'm like, what fool is knocking on my door? And Right? So I'm not like the court, like, I, so we just ignore everyone that knocks on our door. Anybody with me? You know why? I don't trust you have anything that's going to be, like, even bearing any fruit in my life. You're trying to sell me something, right? I don't trust you. We will, we will commit to what we trust. Do you trust the Jesus in the middle of this church that we call the movement? Let your commitment show that.
Let it show it. Crucial key, number three, sacrifice. This is one of the ways that we can show that commitment. Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to who? God. Does it say holy and pleasing to your neighbor? Say holy and pleasing to your mom? Holy and pleasing to your dad? Holy and pleasing to your boss? Holy and pleasing for recognition from the people that are surrounding you that tell you how great you are? No. Holy and pleasing. Who, who is pleased by this? God. When I make a sacrifice, it costs something. And that cost is something that I want to be aligned with the heart of God. I want him to go, that was a good sacrifice. And sacrifice costs. Did you know being committed costs? You, I mean, think about this. You know, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about my wife and I. It's like you stand, you stand before a bunch of people, and at this one day in your life, you say, this is really what you're saying, I am sacrificing all of my life for you. I'm giving it all. I'm committing today. Sacrifice from Jesus because of his commitment to you and I costs him his life. Jesus was committed to this community. Scripture says he died for the church. That's you and me. Not this building. He died for you and I. Sacrifice. Commitment. For the community. And what I love about this picture of Jesus dying and there being sacrifice is sacrifice. When we die to ourselves, we deny. Jesus had to die to himself. He had to deny. He had to die to his own will. He had to deny himself. He had. He had to. He had to put his father at the center. He had to trust the father that this plan. Yep, this is a good plan. And he dies to himself. When he dies to himself, we actually get the best of him for the community. Here's what I mean. If Jesus wouldn't have died, if he would have walked the earth, he would have healed people, it would have been amazing. We could, we could read this book and we can hear about the people that he laid hands on that couldn't see, that now can see, that couldn't walk, that now can walk. But he never went to the cross. He never overcame death. He never reconciled the gap from sin. If he never did that, if he never died to himself and, and he went to the cross, we never would have gotten the best of Jesus. We would have gotten some good stuff from Jesus. We could, have, we could have read some really good stories, but we wouldn't have gotten the best. The good news isn't that he healed someone who was blind. The good news is that he healed the place that we stood in relationship to the Father. He took care of the gap. He stepped in that he overcame death, that the good news is that he actually gave that part of himself and we get the best for community. When you make a sacrifice, when your commitment is sacrificial, the community gets the best of you. But oftentimes I want to keep the best of myself for who? For me. 
I, you know, okay, I'm a father, so I'm going to put it in kids' terms, but I was once a kid. You were once a kid. So even if you don't have kids, I know that you were involved in some of this. You know when one of you walks into the kitchen as a kid, and I see this happen, and they go, I want that piece of cake. And there's not enough, so you have to cut it in half. What do you have to do in that moment? We play this game. Whoever cuts gets to choose what? Last. If you cut, you choose last. Why? Because you will always want to keep the best for who? Yourself. This is like, this shows our inner humanity, this, this innate thing that's in us. Like little kids do this. They break the cookie in half, they look at the cookie, they take the smaller piece, and they give you the smaller piece. I'm driving in the car with my four-year-old the other day, and we're coming from in and out And I said, hey, can, can daddy have one of those french fries? She digs into the french fry container. You know those crusty little fries that have probably been in the fryer like all day long that just so happen to make it in your french fry basket? She digs past the french fries that are fresh. She finds this crusty little like, it looked like a toenail. She grabs this thing and she's like, mm, here you go. She's offering me what? Not the best. She wants to give me the toenail, like, French fry. I'm like, I don't even know what that is fried. It's a fried something. We will want to keep the best for ourselves. But I'm here to tell you something. When you're committed, when I'm committed, we make the sacrifice and we give the best of ourselves to the community. And you will be better for it, but the community will also be better for it. I'm going to leave that one there. First key number four, consistency. I'm going to define the word consistent. Acting or being done in the same way over time. Not, not at one time, over time. Consistency speaks to an action or an activity being done over time. It means that it's happening repetitively. It means that it's happening hopefully frequently, but it's not a one-time thing. Consistency. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm going to define some things. The word weary means to lose courage. The word weary, let us not become weary. The word weary means to lose courage in doing good. The word doing is exercise. So it's like you and I, you know, we go exercise. We go to the gym or we go outside and walk or we're doing whatever we're doing. We're exercising. So, it's, so keep this in mind. And the word exercise and doing good, the word good is the commitment. It's what we're actually exercising. We're exercising good, so good is the commitment. So let me reread this really quickly. Let us not lose courage in exercising our commitments. Let us not lose courage in exercising our commitments. But too often what happens is January 1st hits, guess what we do? We're like, January 1st, woo, 2020, roaring 20s, woo, we're coming back. This is what I'm gonna do, I'm going to the gym. I'm signing up. I'm getting a gym membership. I'm going in. Guys, you go straight to the bench in the arms. Ladies, you go right to the legs, right? And you go in, you're like, you try to find a parking space. You're like, I can't even park because there's so many people here. You walk in and the place is just like 
people all over. All the classes are full, the spin class, the Zumba class, you know, the beach body buns and thighs class. And there's always that one dude in the class where I'm like, dude, are you really in here? Like, I, I, I got my eyes on you, dude. I know why you're in this class. And then statistically by January 19th, we've lost our commitment. We've failed to be consistent. And what we do is we go in and we'll like, we put on all the weight we can and we're like, we get up and like, guys, we're just like testosterone, you know, we're just like, I feel it. And we like, we like low key look at ourselves in the mirror. Guys are like, we don't, we don't want to overtly to stand there and stare at ourselves. We're like, some guys I see at the gym do this, you know. I'm just like, oh my God. But then we're like low-key want to do it. So we like, as we turn, we kind of like flex. We're like, kind of walk by the mirror. Every time we can catch ourselves in the mirror, you know. Girls, don't laugh because you're doing the same thing. Ladies, you're like, and then you, and ladies, you're, you're hard because you start judging each other. You're like, girl, you should not have put that on and come to the gym. Ladies, am I right? Okay, you're like you. You're in here trying to get my boyfriend, who's in that in that beach body buns in class, and he, he's in there trying to get some buns. He ain't in there looking at you. And we think we can go to the gym one time. We can press. We think we can show up in life one time. We think we can stand at the altar one time with our spouse, and we can make a commitment today. And we never have to make a commitment again. But I'm here to tell you that commitment, especially when it comes to community, you guys, takes consistency. I hear so many times people that say, I, 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 I'm not, I don't feel connected or I feel disconnected. Are you consistently, consistently putting yourself in community? Well, you know, I went to a life group one time. You know, I go to church like once a month. And it's every time I show up, it's like I don't know anybody. It's because you show up 25% of the time. You want to spiritually retire in a community with 100% payout, but you're only putting in 25%. You will only get 25%. I train six days a week. And it's about consistency. It's about, get, it, you know what it is, family? It's about showing up. Consistency in our commitment, especially when it comes to community, it's showing up when you don't feel like it. You know, today it's like, I don't really feel like, I, let me tell you something. The moments that matter most are when you show up you don't feel like it. I want you to know that. It's easy to show up when you feel like it. Every single day we get up in the morning. Did you know scripture says that every morning God's mercies are new for us? He's making a commitment to you every single morning. And we think in our humanity that we can make a commitment one time. And God's like, no, I make my commitment every day to you. 
We need to be consistent. And it says that at a proper time, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. Some of us have been committed to things and you've been consistent and you're sitting and hearing me right now and you're going, why am I not crossing the finish line? Why am I not seeing the win? And what I would tell you is, is that this scripture tells me at the proper time. That means that you're in a 26.2 mile race. That's a marathon. That's life. And you're at mile 24. You want to give up. This morning the Lord is telling you, stay consistent. Keep moving forward. I am committed to you. Stay committed. Stay committed to me. Stay committed to the community. Keep showing up. Keep putting one foot in front of another. I know it's hard. If you have to look at yourself and, and like, I've been in this position where I've had to tell myself, right, left, right, left, right. I'm telling myself, move your feet, right foot, left foot, one foot in front of another. Jesus has positioned you to win and he has positioned me to win if we are consistent in our commitment to community as long as we do not quit. Don't quit. Jesus never quit. In fact, leads us to number five, crucial key number five, last one is surrender. Jesus never quit. He took himself to full surrender. There was a time in his life he was ministering. He understood that it was time for him to fully surrender his life. He had been committed. He had been consistent. He had been trusting. He, he had been sacrificing things. And he knew that the ultimate surrender was coming. He walked the hill. He walked the final journey. He, put, he, he, allowed, he allowed himself to be put on a cross. He was beaten. He was made fun of. And then he said these words. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this is what this says. When he had said this, when he finally surrendered, he breathed his last breath. What do you need to breathe your last breath on this morning? Jesus had to breathe his last breath on the cross. Because he had to overcome the cross so that he could get to the empty tomb. What do you need to breathe your last breath on today? Is it fear? Are you afraid of community? Are you afraid of being committed? Have you been hurt before? So it's trust. Is it trust? Do you need to breathe your last breath today on trust? Do you need to breathe your last breath on this personal disqualification system that runs in, like, you've taken yourself out of the seat of even being able to be loved and, and be part of a community that wants to love you and, and committed to you. Have you disqualified yourself? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you losing courage? What is it today that you need to breathe your last breath on? Let's close our eyes for a second.
Take a moment. I want you just to take a moment and just think about it. comfortable doing so. Let's stand. As we wrap up today, I'm just going to pray really quickly. And as, and as I do this, there's going to be a couple different people in the room. Number one, you need to surrender your life to Jesus this morning. You, you really, like, you really need to surrender it. This is your chance. Some of you need to surrender the hurt and the pain. I was praying with somebody after the last service, and they said, I just can't get past. They had lost a loved one a number of years ago, three years ago. I said, I just can't get past it. And I feel like the encouragement is that for some of us, like grieving is okay. Grieving some of these things that like, I understand that. We need to allow ourselves to walk through those things emotionally. We've seen that this week on a global scale. The loss of celebrity. And it's okay. But what I encourage you to do is as you walk through that, begin the process now of finding the face of Jesus in the center of all that. Begin the process as you walk through that grief process of handing that stuff over and surrendering it to Jesus. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you are the one we can trust and we can surrender our lives to as you surrendered. As you gave your final breath, as you gave absolutely everything for this community. Father, I thank you for sending your son for the sacrifice that was made. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with surrender, you're struggling with any of these things, weariness, fear, disqualification, I would, I would ask that you just come forward for prayer before you leave. Our team would love to pray for you. For the rest of us, Lord, strengthen us and encourage us. Solidify our commitments. As we're surrounded by people we're committed to, we have you at the center. We thank you in Jesus' powerful name, everyone said. Amen.